great and mighty is the Lord our God. Let's sing to him. Would you stand? Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is he. Would you join me in prayer, please? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity for us to have this weekend uh, just a, an amazing conference focused upon your word and our intimacy with you. We thank you for Dr. Frizzell, for the teachings that he has given, and Father, um, how he has spoken your word and given us challenges to go deeper with you with an understanding that your word is your word eternally. And God, I ask that you would be with us in our time of worship this morning. I ask that you would uh, help us as we sing songs lifted up in praise to you, that God, we, we would mean every word and that you would minister back to us as a congregation. That Father, music it speaks to the heart, the words that we sing. Father, help them to be true to our heart and soul identity. And God, I ask that, um, that during this service, we will experience your presence. Father, in addition, on the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, I do pray that you would help us to stand firm for human life, period. From the conception, Father, all the way to uh, the oldest person, that God, every single person, would be valued and respected. And God, I ask that you would help us in every way possible to have the same heart and mind that you have because you first loved us. That gives us the ability to do the same. So Father, as we, as we minister to people, as we move through our community and beyond, help us to value every single person with compassionate care, always looking for the opportunity to share the hope that we have, which is in Christ alone. And in this service, Father, I pray I pray that you would hear us and that we would hear you. And God, we would respond in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
Thank you so much for being part of First Baptist Church, Sun City West. We are so glad that you're here today. And if you're watching by live stream, thank you for, for taking the opportunity and the time to be with us. We've had a great weekend already on uh, Friday and Saturday and this morning earlier. Uh, having the conference going deeper with God, we appreciate Dr. Frizzell. He crisscrosses the globe in, uh, in these conferences focused on prayer and uh, his extensive writing. Um, you can tell if you spend any time with him that, uh, that he's a man that really seeks and walks with the Lord. And so we are honored to have him with us today. And we'll look forward to his final message this morning. If you missed any of the live streams, um, you can get those on our website. Just go to our website and under resources and special events, you'll have the prayer conference there. Each session, they're recorded. And uh, if you want to go back and check and see also, um, just want you to continue to pray in this time for God to speak powerfully through the songs that we sing, through the word that is preached, that we're an open book, saying, God, help me to understand, and then use me. Use me for your purposes. So it's good to have you. If you haven't filled out a guest card, this is the very first time that you're here, please take the one that's in the pew in front of you, fill out its entirety, and when you leave, just drop it in one of our offering boxes so that we can acknowledge your being with us. We would certainly appreciate that. Let's continue our time of worship. A beautiful hymn with these lyrics. When the oceans rise and thunders roar, I will soar with you above the storm. Father, you are king over the flood. I will be still and know that you are God. Let's sing.
Good morning, church family. It is so wonderful to be here this morning. I ask that you will pray with me while I'm praying, please. Father, we are so blessed. We are so blessed as Christians and believers that we can gather together with one accord unity to praise your name. We have experienced the last two or three days your wonderful, wonderful words that you are so concerned and care for your people that you sent another watchman to come and minister to us telling us and bringing us the word of God will open our eyes, Lord, that we can see things that we never seen before, things that we overlooked, things, Father, we've forgotten all about. But you sent someone here to remind us of your word. And there's nothing new that's been here a long time ago. But Lord, we have so many distractions. So many, hear so many voices. So Lord, you sent someone here to tell us to read, stay in your word, to read your word. And Lord, 
and listen for the, the right voice. Still away and have some time to ourselves that we may hear you. For you, we know you love us. If you didn't, you wouldn't have sent your son down here to die for us. And that's why he came. He came down, Father, that he might redeem us. He wanted him to, us to be with him in glory. So he came down that he might die, Father, for our sins. And Lord, let us know that he had victory over the grave. Thank God that he rose again, Father. And now, Lord, we have the victory too. But help us, Father, we need to realize and remember to dress up in the armor of God. We have all the tools that we need, but teach us how to put them on. Teach us, Lord, how to dress, to dress. You didn't give us nothing for the back because you got our back. And you want us to go out faithfully. But, Lord, we thank you. We thank you again for Dr. Brazil coming here and ministering to us. But, Lord, we thank you for our pastor as well who is another watchman caring for his flock. Lord, the flock is on his heart heavily. That he see and care, see what we need. So Lord, the watchman, he looks out. He looks at things that we so busy doing other things that we don't see. But thank you, Father, for his ministry. And I ask your continued blessing on him. But now, Father, as we come here today, prepare our hearts and minds to continue to hear your word. Your word is like fire. Your word is like a hammer, Lord. So your word, Father, purifies our hearts and minds and illuminate our spirits, Father. And it exposes things, Father, that has been hidden that we need to make a change in our lives, that we, Lord, might live as children of the Most High. So thank you, Lord, as we sing today. Thank you, Father, for the music, the words in the music. And thank you, Lord, for visiting friends today, that we had come together, united to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we want to worship him. May our worship be in spirit and in truth. Father, when we leave here, we want to be different when we go out those doors. Fire us up, Lord. Prepare us for what lies ahead. For we love you and we need you. Without you, we can't do anything. In Jesus' name, amen. Should you? 
give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the
Thank you so much, choir, for reminding us that we are in God's presence. We can focus on Him, and He's focused on us. It's always awesome to come and worship and know He really is in our midst. You're not here just to hear me, I hope not, but to listen to His holy word. And again, I want to thank you for the privilege of being here, especially in this weather. Uh, it's always a blessing to come here in January. And thank you for letting God use you to focus on missions and to focus on prayer. You have not only a prayer network, but a prayer committee, and God honors that. And I love Kirby so much. He's been such an encouragement to me. But you know, one thing uh, he may not know, I always really pray about where I go to a conference. We're not doing as many as we once did. I'm doing a lot more writing. Um, but I always pray, God, send me a place to a place where you want to do something new and fresh, where they want to grow. And I really believe that about you. And I want to bring you some great news, even though it's a very dark hour in many ways. Um, there's a group of people around the world, and yes, even in this country, that they've had a turning point in their walk with God. And it always centers around prayer and surrender, just a little deeper. And it's amazing just what one or two steps, good steps toward God, he often takes ten toward us. So we're going to be talking about how God's power can be more real in our life. Me and the children and grandchildren we're praying for and hopefully neighbors. And some of those areas of our life that just hold us back like fear, anger, whatever it might be, that there can be a breakthrough and that it glorifies God. And one of the most exciting things I'm seeing is people that have known the Lord a long time and many, many years. They've seen God do wonderful things, but they're discovering a little deeper prayer even late in life and some have said, I've seen God do more in my kids' family in the last five years than in 50. So our God has not lost his power. And um, I have to say this, I always get asked by, by people over 50, if I, with my last name Frizzell, am any kin to the famous old country music singer Lefty Frizzell, all right? We are distantly related. Uh, he probably wouldn't have claimed me, but uh, we are distantly related. But you can relax, I will not try to sing country music to you. If, if I did, he'd probably turn over in his grave, okay? Uh, so he got the singing, but we are related, so I, I wanted to just let you know that. Well, um, this message is special to me, as I shared in Sun's Hour, that because it changed my life. Uh, I've had many things that should have stopped me, health-wise and other ways, many times in my life. Um, and it was always going a little deeper in this we're about to talk about is why we still go to so many places. It's all God's power, not mine. It's all his worthiness, not mine. And that's the same with all of us. You can have a mighty turning point in your walk with God, even late in life. So if you will take your Bible and turn to Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, Jeremiah 29, 11. Now you'll recognize there's a great promise there, uh, but there's a prayer principle in this that I missed for years, and it's so powerful. And it's easy, without realizing it, to get in kind of a first, second gear prayer. Not bad, you'll travel some, but not quite the overdrive, where God really gets great glory and mountains move. But um, this passage is really about knowing the Lord a lot more. Not just knowing about Him, but Him being real to us. I always pray before I read the Holy Word of God. Father, how we praise You by the blood of Your own Son, we can call You Abba Father that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. And Lord Jesus, thank you that you're in this room right now. We pray that you will get all glory 
And Lord, that you'll enable us and draw us to go deeper with you and see your kingdom go forth in power. Father, anoint these words. Help us not just hear, but obey and surrender and be changed. In Jesus' name we pray in faith. Amen. Well, in Jeremiah 29, 11, God was speaking to his people and they were in trouble. They had backslidden, frankly, and they'd gotten into some pretty bad things. They were lukewarm and they were doing a lot of praying, but their hearts weren't quite fully surrendered. And now they're in exile. They're imprisoned by a foreign nation. They sure weren't sure about their future. Now, they had some false prophets giving them a lot of false hope. You're going to guide this right now. That was not the case. But even though they had failed and they'd kind of blown it, God still loved them. It was still his people, and he had a will for them. And listen to what he said to them. And if you know him this morning, I really believe the same truth applies to you. He said, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Now, in the Hebrew text, that word thoughts also means plans. So God was saying to his people, frankly, that kind of gotten lukewarm. He was saying, hey, I'm still thinking about you, and I have a plan for you. He still loves us. Aren't you glad he loves us even when we kind of blow it or when we're kind of just drifting along? Well, and look what he said. The Lord said, their thoughts and plans of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Well, I have to ask you a question. He says he's got a plan for his people. So what is his main plan for us? Well, some will say, well, it's to bless you. And certainly that's, that's part of it. That's a good prayer. Uh, some say, well, it's to heal you. A lot of times he will, but even if he doesn't, he'll give you grace. Sometimes he, it's time to take us home. Uh, he'll be with us. Uh, some say, well, his plan is to make you successful. It is. It may not always be money, but folks, the, the truth is his plan for us that he's talking about is a lot better than blessing, even healing, and success. So what could be better than that? I love what Jesus said in John 17, 3. He said, this is eternal life. And what he meant was, this is what your life is really all about, both now and forever. And what did he say? It wasn't just blessing and healing and success. He said, it's that you may know God and Jesus Christ whom God has sent. Now, why that's so amazing, that's the word used in marriage. He's saying, listen, it's not about just going to church and believing some things. It's about really knowing God where he's real to you. Uh, his voice is clearer to you than your husband, wife, or best friend. It, it's a relationship. That's what it's, what it's all about. I love what it said in John 7, 38. He said, listen, if you really believe in me, and that means you trust him, don't just believe as a God, but you trust him. I think I've got it right. He said, there will be a little trickle of living water flowing out of your heart every now and then. Is that what he said? Nope. <laughs> he said, if you really believe in me, walk with me, there's going to be rivers of living water gushing continuously out of the innermost being. Well, you saying, what's living water? Folks, that's his spirit being so real to us, filling us with joy even in pain and, and peace even in scary times <laughs> and power even though we're weak. And that's why I love to share about the Lyme disease I had because it's left me with a lot of damage. And I want you to know that God can use weak people. And he, we don't have to even feel good for him to use us. We can have joy even in pain, and you know that. But that's his plan is that he'd be very real to us. But something's happened in America over about the last 40 years. The busyness and some of the bad things going on has caused many people, many, even believers, to slip into a type of prayer that's, Mostly about just problems and needs, talking to God about problems and needs, and not about really knowing Him, not about really surrendering everything to Him, 
so that he can flow through us like a river and answer prayer in, in great power. So that's why many are seeing few baptisms and why many are praying for children and grandchildren. And boy, a lot of them are not changing. Now some are, and some prayers take years. So I don't want to act like, well, you pray right, it'll happen tomorrow. But folks, there's really been a, a, a kind of a deadening of, of prayer power among some. But it's changing. There's some people around the world, even in this country, they're getting a hold of what this passage talks about. We're going to see now, God seeking prayer. Look at the next verse, in verse 12. He said, then you will call upon me and you will go and pray to me. And he says, I will listen to you. That's pretty good news. God really wants to hear prayer. Folks, he's not stingy. And he's not weak. Now, for them, that then meant 70 years. They weren't going to get out of exile. Uh, he said, I'll be with you in the meantime. I'm going to bless you. For you, it probably doesn't mean 70 years, okay? But notice what he said. He said, you will call upon me. Now, in the Hebrew text, that's a fervent type prayer. That's crying out to God. Now, this is so interesting. I want you to see it. It wasn't that those people weren't praying. Oh, they were praying all right. They were praying their heads out. You know, God, give us blessing. God, fix our economy. God, don't let them kill us. God, give us that. They were doing all the prayers we do. You know, fix this, do that. But they weren't praying the God-seeking type prayer. What he was actually saying is, I know you're praying, but there's going to come a time when you're praying to me on a whole different level. There's going to come a time when you're praying about knowing me, not just getting blessed. It's a big difference. Look at verse 13. He makes that very clear. Um, look at this passage, and it's a promise. God says, and you will seek. See, that's not just ask for stuff. That's a different level. You will seek, and notice what they and we are to seek. You will seek your blessing, right? No, you will seek me. Now, we should pray for blessings, but even more, we want to pray to know him more closely. He says, you will seek me and you will find what? Your mountain to move, right? No, you'll find what? Me. When you search for what? That thing you really need, no. When your prayers are mostly about seeking and knowing me. Look what he said. You'll find me. Now, they already knew him. But he's saying when your prayers are going to go to a different level of seeking God, seeking his kingdom, surrendering to him, knowing him, He's saying, I'm going to be moving in a way you can't believe. He said, you're going to find me. I'm going to answer prayer. It's exactly the same way to us. You know, in a way, folks, what he was saying to them, he was saying, you're my people and I love you. But without realizing it, he's, he was saying, you're seeking my hand a lot more than my face. You know, God fix this, bless this, take care of this. Rather than God, I want to know you. I want to surrender my heart. I want you to use me to reach my neighbor, my kids and grandkids. He's saying, they stopped in just devotional prayer that was not God-seeking, heart-yielding prayer. It is really easy to do that in America today and not mean to do it, but it's, so, it's not hard to go to another level. It's not. It's all grace. We can't earn anything from God, but we do have to embrace His principles of, of seeking Him like that. So how do you develop a more of a God-seeking, heart-yielding prayer life? Well, if you look with me in, in James 4, 8, he tells us exactly what to do, what to add to our prayer life to make it that God-seeking power. And James 4, 8, it's another promise. God loves to give promises. He's a gracious, merciful, promise-giving God. And in that passage, he says, draw near to God. But isn't he everywhere? Isn't he already here? Yes. 
But he's saying, I want you to draw near me in a deeper way. And we can always do that. Folks, if the Apostle Paul needed to go deeper with God, I know I do. <laughs> so none of us have any business coasting or saying, oh, well, I've been a Christian a long time. I know. No, we want to go deeper. But he says, draw near to God and he will, not might, he will draw near to you. But how do you draw near to God the way he means here? Not maybe the modern pattern. How do you seek God with all your heart the way he means? Look at the next part of James 4, 8. He says, cleanse your hands, sinners. And that's all of us. And he says, purify your hearts, you that are double-minded. And in verse 9, he says, you've got to really mean this. It's not just a little shallow, forgive all my sins, now bless me. So he said, if you'll draw near to me with real cleansing and real yielding of your heart, and we're going to see in a moment exactly how to do that a little deeper. He's saying, I'm going to lift you up. Verse 10 says, just like Jeremiah, he says, you're going to find me. I'm going to move in your life in a new way. I'll be a lot more real to you. You'll... You'll glorify my name a lot more, but folks, studies show something's happened in America. The understanding that God is holy, we, we know that, but sometimes folks think that, that His holiness is out of reach, or that being under grace means sin's no big deal anymore. Well, it isn't. In fact, studies show that with many believers, the element of their prayer life that is about cleansing and yielding pretty often uh, surrendering everything to him it kind of goes a little bit like this Lord is there anything in my life I need to deal with I didn't think so here's my prayer list <laughs> now we wouldn't really say that but, but actually studies show that's kind of what people are doing folks none of us are so advanced we don't need more than that okay or, or some others will say Lord search my heart oh search my heart Lord and Lord you have 15 seconds now, now, we wouldn't say that. That's what folks are doing in many cases. So this element of drawing near and cleansing and yielding means I'm under grace. I don't need that anymore. Oh, absolutely we need that. That's how we stay in fellowship. We don't, nobody has to get saved again, but that's the fellowship. That's the fullness. That's the power. And without that, none of us there can really function in that kind of power. Uh, there will be things build up, and we get used to it. We don't even know it. Well, the question is, how do we do this? How can our prayer times, and I am mainly talking about your quiet time. Of course, we talk to God throughout the day. That's good. That's fine. But the disciples watched Jesus. And can you imagine getting to live with him and see what he said, what he did? Folks, they heard, they heard preaching like we've never heard probably. And they saw him walk on water. They saw him open blind eyes, heal paralyzed people. They, they saw him raise the dead. I mean, it's incredible. But isn't it interesting, as they watched him, they didn't say, Lord, teach us to preach. Or, or Lord, give us a water-walking class. As they watched him, they realized prayer was the center of his life. And they realized if we're going to really know God and, and empower, we have to pray a little deeper than we are. And so in Matthew 6 and in Luke 11, we find that great question. You know, the disciples were like us. They didn't always ask the right questions. But once they got it right, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. They knew that was the heart of it. In Matthew 6, do you remember what he told them? He said, well, don't we like the Pharisees, praying those loud, long, fancy prayers to be seen of men? That won't get you anywhere. And, and he said, it's not about vain repetition, saying the same thing over and over, long enough, loud enough that God will finally hear you. Uh, he said, it's not about that. And he gave them a command, an instruction. He said, when you pray, go in your closet and shut the door and seek me in secret. Now, 
If you've ever wondered, am, am I supposed to have a really strong quiet time? That should answer it. God didn't give suggestions. Now, don't panic. It doesn't have to literally be a closet, okay? Some of our closets are so junky we couldn't get in them, right? So don't panic. But he's saying, you've got to get along with me. Now, for you, that, you may have to go out and get in your car if you've got a lot of people in your house. But get along with me. And, and, and seek me. And then you, you know what he said there, how they were to pray. It wasn't real complicated. But some people think, oh, there's a little five lines of prayer. You just say those little five lines and you're done. It's not really what he meant. He was saying these are the type of things. Our Father, you're going to hallow his name. You're going to just spend some time just praising and worshiping God for his grace and who he is. And, and then he said, our Father, hallowed be thy name. And then he said, thy kingdom come. Notice he didn't go next to God bless me and fix things and do things for me it was about seek thy kingdom come that means praying for people to be saved praying for children and grandchildren to really turn around praying for our church to grow uh, kingdom things and then our favorite there it is <laughs> bring give us our daily bread you know what we got that one we know how to ask God God for things and that's okay we should but he said bring me all your needs nothing too big nothing too little um, and then he said, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. But notice, that's not just a flippant little phrase. There's not a thing wrong with praying, God, forgive all my sins. That's a great prayer, because there it is in the Bible. That's fine at the offering plate. That's fine at the dinner table. You don't want a guy naming every sin in his life. But in the quiet time, he definitely wants more than that. Because he's saying, get along with me, no pretense, you and me. It's, it's you're honest. And that's the time we say, Lord, search my heart. And, but the trouble is, that's not happening, studies show, in a lot of busy believers' prayer lives. And so because it has stopped with just forgive my sins, and he actually said, as we forgive those who trespass against us. So that's pretty much saying if, if I'm asking for forgiveness, but i got bitterness and anger in my heart towards somebody else, there's a hindrance there. So obviously there needs to be a cleansing and a yielding. And if that's missing, though, things will build up. An attitude over here that I'm ignoring some habit I'm ignoring, or something I'm confessing over and over, but I'm not turning from it. That's an epidemic today. Many believers think that's okay. Now, God still loves us. He, he forgives, but it definitely hinders the power and grieves the spirit. So many believers, without meaning to, have stopped in a type of prayer that does not get their heart yielded, like James talked about, and like he mentions here. Well, um, many believers are not praying with much faith. We're just, well, I pray to hope God does something. And over and over again, the Bible tells us that we're to trust Him and claim His promises and pray in faith. So really what's happened, many have stopped with just a little devotional moment, but have not moved into God-seeking, heart-yielding, cleansing prayer. And so, He still loves us, but the river can't flow. We're seeing a trickle of answers to prayer, a trickle of joy, a trickle of victory over anger, unclean thoughts, but not that river and it's the river that reaches our kids and grandkids flowing through our prayer life well i want to give you an illustration that i hope will encourage you um i told the Sunday school group how i'm not a natural speaker and god had to through this message through yielding my heart he enables me to speak and i really not wanted to be up in front of people but uh, the church god sent me to right out of seminary was in a horrific legal battle in fact, one guy said, this is the Chernobyl of the church world. Now, that's not a good thing to be known for, right? <laughs> okay. 
And it was really a horrible legal battle. It was on TV for like five years. And he sent me there right after it started. And uh, he had to kind of make me go. <laughs> I'll tell you, he had, to, he had to persuade me. And we'd been there for five years, and the church was declining. It was in a gang area of Memphis, Tennessee. Everything in the world that could be a problem and a challenge was. And we were about to go broke and everything. And I also noticed that a lot of my people... Were, were praying, but they weren't seeing their families, their kids, their grandkids. A lot of them just were not changing. And we weren't seeing many people saved. We were doing a lot of work and even went door to door a lot, but we just weren't seeing much. And I was kind of really discouraged and down and all that. And the Lord brought me to this passage and also in James about the fervent prayer of a yielded heart. God just showed me. You're shortchanging me in your quiet time. You're rushing it too much. And, and the cleansing part is, is not there. And so the Lord led me to about seven areas. Now, don't panic. That's just one little area a day, and you could do different one each day, that would help you really yield your whole heart pretty often. And it's not legalism, like you've got to do it every day. But just adding 10 minutes or so to your prayer life pretty often of scripture cleansing and letting him search your heart and then just yielding it. it doesn't mean you get perfect, but you get yielded and he can fill a yielded vessel. And so the Lord had done a fresh work in me and I challenged my people to do three things. Would you give God a little more time in prayer? Now some of them didn't need more time, they just needed to change what they were doing a little bit. But would you give God a little more time if you need to? And secondly, would you take these cleansing scriptures and they're back there uh, in the handouts you can get and take home with you so you can do this. I asked them, would you let the Lord search your heart for about the next seven or eight weeks? Just a little at a time. And um, I said, and then would you really f focus on somebody God's telling you to pray about, like a child, a grandchild, a neighbor, somebody at work. But let's get focused on the kingdom. Let's focus our prayers on people being saved and uh, lives being turned around. And we, boy, we weren't growing. And let's, let's focus on asking God to send laborers into our church but only after we've sought him for about seven or eight weeks. And these little books are there for you, and we don't make money on them, but they are uh, full of Scripture, so you can do it. And if you don't get the book, just use a little free handout, okay? So here's what happened. Some of my people in the church said, okay, I'm going to give God a little more time in prayer, and I'm going to change a few things in my prayer. I'm going to add that, that cleansing, that yielding a little deeper than I have. I'm going to get out of that 15-second stuff. <laughs> And, uh, and I warned them, I said, now over the next few weeks, as you pray through these scriptures, you'll see things you didn't know were there. And you know what happened? Several people said, you know, he showed me there was people I said I'd forgiven in my heart. I really hadn't. Folks, we're really in an epidemic of that. You know, well, I, I'm not mad at anybody, but we kind of are. We got that speech we practice, we want to say to certain people, <laughs> and it hides on us. And several of my people said, you know, God showed me there's some people I need to ask to forgive me. And the Lord said, if, if I've offended someone and I won't try to make it right with them, he said, that's going to hinder them. Don't even come to the altar. That's pretty powerful. Don't bring your gift. So many of my people saw that, that there were people that they needed to ask to forgive them. And not all did forgive them, but they asked. And several of them had fear, anxiety they were struggling with. And they were going to focus on getting over that stronghold. With some of the men, it was, it was unclean thoughts. And, and God showed them that they were going to be able to yield that and get real victory over that. But many of them had loved ones they'd been praying for, but they were kind of praying on that surface level. They weren't praying with a clean heart. They weren't praying in the power of the Spirit of God. They weren't claiming promises and praying with a lot of faith. 
And you know, it was kind of the same way for our church. I think we got discouraged and just think, well, I guess we'll never really grow. But during that eight weeks, as people took their quiet time a little deeper, and it, it, it's not legalism. It's not like, well, if you miss a day, you're in trouble. <laughs> or that God's going to get out a stopwatch and say, I'd have blessed you, but you were five minutes short. We're not talking about anything like that. Um, it's grace, but we have to embrace these principles of surrender. And so they begin to do it. I say they, about 10, 15% of the church begin to do it. That's okay. That's all God needs. He'll, he'll do mighty things. And so here's what happened. is they changed their quiet time, added the cleansing verses that you can get back there over a few weeks. There was two I want to tell you about in particular. Um, one of them was a lady named Addie, and she was a middle-aged lady. Um, had a son named Darren. He was 16. And he was getting, like so many kids, he was getting drawn away from God, about to mess his life up. He was with the wrong people. And for three years, Addie had been praying for Darren, but, you know, it was kind of just the average general God touching, but it wasn't going to war for him. She wasn't praying in power, wasn't praying with a yielded heart, wasn't really praying promises and trusting God. And Darren was getting worse. I mean, he was really bad. Um, back for three years, she'd stand up in the prayer meeting and and ask us to pray for him, and she'd sometimes cry because he just kept getting worse. But see, she was about to go to another level of prayer. Like Jeremiah said, you're going you're gonna to start seeking me with all your heart. You're going to draw near to me with cleansing. And uh, her, her focus was her son, Darren. And she also had gotten lukewarm. She said, I want to get rid of this lukewarmness. I used to be on fire for, for the Word of God in prayer. And that's a good prayer. And then there was a guy named Larry, and he was a tough guy. He, boy, he was muscled up, and and he was a good guy, but uh, he never prayed all that much. But he committed to take his prayer time deeper and let God search his heart. And he was struggling with some of the things men struggle with, especially. And, and so the church started that eight-week process. And you're going to be studying some of this over the next few weeks. And it's the most amazing thing. The ones that were doing it, the Lord started showing them things that were they needed to really yield. Now, see, a lot of them had confessed things, but they hadn't yielded them. They confessed things, but they hadn't turned from them. And they were confessing the same three or four things over and over, but they weren't changing. That's not repentance. And they saw that. They began to get victory. First week of her new prayer life, Eddie came back down the aisle. Uh, that first Sunday, a lot of people came down and prayed and said, God, I'm committing to seek you with all my heart. I'm committing to draw near and let you cleanse me. And I'm committing to focus on somebody that, to see a mountain move. She came back the next week down the aisle and, and, and prayed a little bit. Then after the service, she held up two or three fingers. And I, I said, why are you holding up fingers? She said, he showed me four things in my life this week that had been hindering the spirit that I didn't even know they were really wrong. And he showed her some attitudes. And that was happening with a lot of people. But folks, when God convicts us, it's not to condemn us or beat us up. It's to cleanse us and fill us up. And it's about love. Not, this is not you got to do this. It's you get to do this. And if we love Him, how could we not want to do this? The Bible says in 1 John 5, 3 that the commandments of God or this cleansing is not grievous. It's not some burden you got to do. You get to. And it changes you. And He gets more real to you. And He gets glory. Well, this went on for about seven or eight weeks, and people were about to get through those scriptures, and man, I was getting testimonies of how people got their fire back, got their joy back, and a lot of them were seniors, senior adults that had known God for 40 years, but they were, man, they were growing. And then I saw something really amazing. About that seventh week, 
I saw Addie, she stood up in the prayer meeting on Wednesday night to pray for, for Darren. And boy, instead of being sad, she was excited. She said, y'all keep praying for Darren, but God is going to touch my son. And man, he was, as far as I could tell, he was worse than ever. <laughs> so I went to Addie after the service, kind of gently said, uh, Addie, have you seen Darren lately? <laughs> and she said, oh yeah, I've seen him. I said, why are you so excited? She said, Brother Greg, seven, eight weeks ago, I had my little quiet time, but she said, it's different now. And she said, the Lord showed me several things in my heart that I hadn't really yielded. And, and she said, he is just so much more real to me now. And she said, I'm getting victory. I was worried about things. I'm getting victory. She said, I got my, my passion back. But she said, Brother Greg, when I pray for Darren, I sense power there now. And, and she said, two weeks ago in my quiet time, God gave me two promises for my son. She said, Brother Greg, he's going to be saved, and he's going to be a minister. I said, boy, I, I thought, I hope you're right, because <laughs> he sure wasn't no minister. But do you see what's happened? Please listen. That woman had gone to another level of prayer. She'd gone to another level of closeness with God, and the river was flowing. And that's powerful. And old Larry, old, old tough Larry, he came down a couple times more. And, man, he started praying, felt led to pray for a guy at work named Bill, and now listen, Memphis is a tough city. <laughs> and Bill at that time was known as one of the meanest guys in North Memphis. And people, people were afraid of him. And old Larry started, had been praying for Bill. Nothing was happening. But now he's praying on a whole new level. He's praying with a clean heart. And he's, he's claiming promises. He's praying in real faith. He's gone to war for Bill. And uh, he told me that. And lo and behold, about a month after that study ended, Bill showed up at church one day. Larry just, his mouth fell open. There was Bill. And he sat on that back. People were actually kind of scared of him. What's he doing here? Is he going to rob us? You know? but, but he was there on that back row. And uh, God was working in our church. And I'll tell you, it was the most amazing thing. He, he came every week for about a month. And I never saw his face. He, he, I guess he felt so guilty. He just kept his head down. But about that, set, that fourth time he came, he looked up at me during the invitation, and boy, you could see the tears running down his face, and old Larry was sitting there praying. And man, Bill got up and walked down that aisle, and he said, I want to give my whole life to Jesus Christ. He fell on his face. That man got saved. I mean, I've never seen a person's face glow with love like Bill. And he became a soul winner like you wouldn't believe. He's with the Lord now. But through old tough Larry, he really never had strong prayer life. It, it doesn't this sounds, well, this is way out there. No, this isn't out of reach. This is not two or three hours a day. And back to Addie, and she, she prayed and was believing God. She's now praying with faith and with a clean heart. And, and I want to tell you, some prayers take a lot longer than a few weeks or maybe years. So don't, don't be beat up if you prayed a long time and hadn't seen an answer. So, some of them take a long time. But the trouble is, some of us have never gone to that deeper level. And, and that does matter. Well, Old, old Darren, sure enough, he, he came to church and a little bit. And then on a, I think it was a Friday night, about 10 o'clock at night, I was in my office studying. And the outside buzzer started incessantly ringing. And I thought, oh, no, it'll be a gang member. So I'm not going to the door to be a gang member. And it kept buzzing that thing. And finally I got where I could see, and it was Darren out there. And so I thought, okay, he's probably messed up or something. And I went down and... I opened the door and said, what is it, Darren? He almost ran over me. He was just wild. His, he was even disheveled looking. And he ran down the hall toward my office, and I was kind of chasing after him. And um, 
Man, he got in my he he got in my office and he's pacing like a wild animal. He said, "I can't stand this. I can't stand this. I can't." I said, "What's the matter with you?" He said, "I don't know what's the matter with me." And we went back and forth and finally took him by the shoulder and said, "Darren, just slow down. Stop. Tell me what's going on with you." He said, "I don't know, but for about the last month, all I can think about is how much I've hurt God." He said, "For the last month, I can all I can th I can't enjoy my my stuff I was doing anymore." And he said, "For the last month, all I can think about is giving my whole life to Jesus Christ." Folks, he didn't even need me. He just knelt on the floor and gave his heart to Jesus. And when that man got up, he, he, he was a new creature. His face was different. Sunday morning, he ran down that aisle and told the church, I've been saved. And, uh, man, his, <laughs> the church couldn't hardly believe it. Addie could. God gave Darren one of the most beautiful singing voices you've ever heard. He started a Christian band. And guess what? He went to Nashville years after that and for many years was a deacon. And guess what? Just a few years ago, you guessed it, he got ordained as a minister. <laughs> God ain't lost his power, folks. But many believers have not moved up into the God-seeking, heart-yielding, effective, fervent prayer James talks about and John talks about. But we all can. It's God's will for everyone to be able to pray. Now, again, I want to stress, it may be years. And I don't want you to feel guilty. Well, it's all my fault. My kids aren't doing well. The devil's good at doing that to you. But, folks, it is so vital that we go deeper. Now, about that church. When those people started praying in their quiet times with greater faith and greater power, people started joining our church. It, I was almost shocked, but it was just astounding. And the church, in the, the year following that, so many people got baptized. One woman led 21 out of 30. She was praying for to Jesus, and I baptized every one of them. And she was a quiet, shy, stuttering little woman, never done that in her life. Folks, that's who God is. He's powerful. He's worth seeking with all our heart. He's not a medicine chest. <laughs> He's not Santa Claus. He's the Lord and love of our life. But if all we have is five minutes in prayer, and our, the depth of our cleansing is, Lord, search my heart and see you later, it's just not going to happen. He still loves us, but the, the river, the power. So this morning, could I ask you a very important question? Do you have a Darren? That may be a daughter. It may be a son, a grandson. Maybe a husband, maybe a wife. I hope we've got neighbors. It's so sad when all we pray for is me and mine. But do you have a daring? Maybe you prayed for somebody a long time and you hadn't seen that breakthrough. Could it be that the Lord's speaking to your heart right now that there's hope that you can go just a little higher? This is not out of reach. It's all grace. But we have to do it. And maybe your daring is in here. Maybe fear's got a grip on you or anger or bitterness, or unclean thoughts, and you've prayed a long time, it's not really changing, or you're confessing the same three or four things over and over, but they're no different than they were a year ago. That's not repentance. But this morning, I never will forget, in 1989, Miss Addie Nelson, and you don't have to do that necessarily, but she said, God, I'm going to give you a little more time. Help me. And she said, God, I'm going to take those scriptures and let you search every corner of my heart for the next few weeks. And Lord, help me pray in faith and power for my son Darren till he's, till he's saved. And several of our people did that. And man, what God did. No tell him what he could do here. Yeah, you, you, you guys don't have anywhere near the challenges we had. But this is the way he does it. So are we satisfied with just kind of average Americanized Christianity? In India and in China and in Middle East, where they're seeing people come to Jesus under great persecution, this is what they do. They pray for their neighbors like this, and they get saved. It's astounding, even at threat of death. He, he loves us, folks. 
And if, if you felt from this message a need to go a little higher, don't, God didn't show you that to condemn you or put you down. He's saying, I love you, let's go higher. And folks, he's worth it. How could we not give him a little more time, deeper cleansing, and help us pray, focus, and pray for our church to grow, for our kids to be saved, and our lives to be turned around, that we get over those strongholds that hold us back. Well, nothing's impossible with God, but we have to seek him with all our heart. We have to draw near with cleansing of our hands and our hearts. And the little tools back there, free, show you exactly how to do it. It's not, my, it's not a plan, it's just scripture. It's the word of God. And so, it, you're not too old, <laughs> you're not too young, you're not too bad, you're not too weak. Some will say, well, prayer is just not my thing. It better be, because <laughs> it was Jesus' thing, and it must become your thing, okay? Well, we're going to have an invitation time, a response time. Brother Kirby's going to be down here at the front. If you want to come pray with him about maybe a loved one or just your own heart, if you want to come to the altar and pray, you can, but uh, he loves you. The important thing is that you decide, God, I'm going to seek you a little more time, deeper cleansing, greater faith and power, and I'm not quitting until I see my mountains move. Father, thank you that you've saved us for so much more than just go to heaven someday and get a little blessing along the way. Lord, thank you that you're so much more than wanting just to hear about our problems and needs, that you want us to pray your kingdom and your righteousness. So, Lord, I pray you'll water these words. That people will have hope. I pray, God, nobody here will think this is hard or out of reach. I pray nobody here will think they can't do it. Oh, God, help us have the, the repentance to say, Lord, by your grace, I'm not quitting till my daring saved. Lord, help us do that. I'm not quitting till I'm on fire again, till I'm over this thing, whatever it might be, till our church is really growing. Would you be willing today to ask God to help you do that for his glory? He will surely answer your prayer, but you have to begin. You have to start. Father, take this response time. If people need to pray with Kirby or need to pray at the altar, help them do what you've said. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Kirby, I turn this time to you. If you would stand, you've been challenged, a decision, a choice that you make while you're singing in the pew, coming to the prayer altar coming, praying with me, but don't let this fall on ears and not respond to God. You come as you would, okay? The greatest thing in all i
Instrumentalists continue to play if you would like to be seated and continue to pray.
I hope that uh, during, during this time of invitation that you have made a choice and that you have made a commitment as deep as, as you go, that you'll go the next step. Um, Dr. Frizzell, thank you very much. A wonderful weekend and uh, some challenges that, uh, that you've given us. And I pray that each one of us, and that's, uh, that's really what the challenge is. As a congregation, we do this together. But the challenge is for each of us to go deeper with the Lord. Uh, there's several things that, uh, that I want to remind you of. Uh, sometimes when we have a conference and we get, we get this inspiration, <laughs> this challenge before us, we ask, well, what do I do with this? Now what do I do? And uh, the resources that we're talking about that Dr. Frizzell is, uh, the two books that he has out there, Returning to Holiness and How to Develop a Powerful Prayer Life. Uh, we have more shipments coming in uh, uh, early this week. But um, there's also a handout out there that is, is free. Take it with you if you didn't get it. It was in that packet. We, we produced more of those this morning so that, uh, that you could take it with you. Start working toward those. Uh, they're guides to help you, the resources. So there's really not a question of, well, where do I start? It's, okay, I have these resources. God, get, help me to have the, the passion to move forward. Um, we begin Wednesday night at uh, 4 o'clock from 4 to 5 for the next eight weeks. We're going in depth through the book Returning to Holiness. Uh, principles that he has laid out here in our general setting, but we're going we're gonna to dive into those deeper over the next eight weeks. And so I would suggest, encourage you to come and be a part of that. Uh, it'll be in the CLC, the, the Christian Life Center uh, at 4 o'clock. We'll have books available there if you weren't able to get one. But I, I just challenge us uh, as a congregation go deeper because we live in a world where we can be a lighthouse. We desire to be that. And you, you have people that you know, family members, uh, neighbors, that you have a heart for, but they haven't turned. They haven't come to the Lord or they're not living for Him. This is the opportunity for you to understand how to go even deeper in praying for them honoring what God's Word has to say. So we're going to challenge you with that, those two things. Um, and then at the end of our service, Dr. Frizzell will be down here. If, uh, if you want to come and speak to him or if you, want, if you bought one of his books and you want him to sign it, I always like to have the author sign them uh, if they're still alive. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Frizzell is right now. <laughs> so if you would, that would be, uh, uh, he, he would be happy to do that. Miss um, Nancy, you've got some, some things. There are three sign-up sheets in both lobbies, one for the movie lunch. The movie is this Thursday, American Underdog. If you are coming for lunch, we need you to sign up today or let us know before the end of the day tomorrow. The cost is $5. There's also a sign-up for the men's fellowship breakfast, which will be on February the 6th, and also for the dinner fellowship groups that are forming soon. On Tuesday afternoon at 3.15, Faithful Voices Ensemble will resume for those who sing tenor and bass. We will meet at 315 in the choir room, and I would invite you to come if you are interested, even if you're not a choir member, but I would invite you to come. On Wednesday at 245 during our regular choir rehearsal time, we will be in room 113 as we kick off the Easter musical. If you've been sitting on the sidelines saying, I would like to be part of this growing choir, and isn't it wonderful? I'm so grateful to God for this, yes. 
but there's still room for you. So if you would like to be part of our Easter musical at 2.45 on Wednesday, we'll feed you snacks if you come. <laughs> on Tuesday morning at 10 in room 112, which is also known as the Fish Bowl, we will be celebrating the life of Betty Jamison, one of our church members who recently went home to be with the Lord, and you are invited to be part of that. If you cannot attend, I encourage you to continue praying for her family. Sharon LaRose is going to come and lead us in our closing prayer as we stand together. Good morning. Father, thank you so much for the medical team that you have put together in this church. Thank you that uh, Ruthie seems to be better. Thank you for the care that you have given her through these dear people. Thank you so much for Dr. Frizzell, who brought everything we need to develop a closer relationship with you. Thank you for Psalm 4610, which has been on my mind for two whole weeks. Because I think that's where we have to start to develop this prayer life that you want us to have. Oh, that we would know you more, love you more, praise you more. And come to you in true repentance so that you can turn our lives around. We are a sinful bunch. We can't get away from it. But you are full of grace and truth and help. We present ourselves to you today to help us to draw closer to you. And then, Holy Spirit, to see what you're going to do in our prayer lives. For each other, for our community, and Lord, give us a great, great love for each other in this room that is very palpable. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.